You have never, ever been on a podcast. I have never, ever been on a podcast. So See you have literally popped my cherry. This is my first time. Make sure they're on your ear. So you can oh, hear it. There you go. You're in the music business. You should know that. You have it. You said. No. This what? is like, everyone has so many issues with these headphones. Can somebody help him with the headphones? That's good. I can hear you now. What? Yeah. And put your mic in front of you. See your microphone? Yeah, yes. Like, there we are. It's okay. like, it's almost like radio. Is that good? <laughs> or is it focusing on the arm yeah, of the... And, and this is being filmed, right? We're being, this is the camera. These are cameras and we're being recorded. You have never, ever been on a podcast. I have never, ever been on a podcast. I'm seeing myself right now on a bike. This is so weird. <laughs> oh, it's weird yeah, to so see you yourself. You have on literally a... popped my cherry. This is my first time. Are you talking to me or my daughter? I hit you. Okay. <laughs> you. First time, and you're going to get him canceled. <laughs> no, I won't get you canceled. <laughs> I didn't say it. But, but, uh, so. Well, you got to just acclimatize me here. Tell me what's going on because I genuinely. Never, ever, ever. Someone said to me a few years ago, podcast of the future. So I don't know what you're talking about. So, so I've never done one. Okay. So a podcast is basically. Wait, uh, first, first, uh, there's yes. people listening and not watching too. So maybe we should say who's it's here like in case you're not this is watching. Ne exactly. Nelly. Nelly. Ellie. 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 That's a good start. And, well, Ellie is, uh, works with you, Simon, yes. and this is her fourth day on the job. Fourth day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think you've done yeah. well. I, I, we, we, she, for me, that's a miracle. Four days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're already recording. You know, you're on TV. On <laughs> TV? Yes. How we you are. You're blocking everywhere. the camera. Right well, look, let's start. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be have you ever Have you ever been on a podcast? You're in front of that camera now. <laughs> Ellie, have you ever been on, Ellie, have you ever been on a podcast before? And she's out. She's, she's gone. out. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Poor Ellie. I think not only you, but everybody that works with you has never been at a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But do you have a message for him? I think message? she's trying to say don't start until. She doesn't want us to start. Oh, does she want us to wait? Yeah. How long is she going to be? Any minute. So let's, we'll wait. So just prep me in the meantime. Okay. So tell me what I'm seeing now. So that's the screen. That's what people are seeing on that shot. Yeah. This is between me and my daughter. You know, yeah. My daughter, Jackie. And you're almost falling. And we, yeah. we, we, we make So a, you are going to see her recreation of me falling off and breaking my back. Well, we wanted it to be realistic. You know, it's all, you know, it was the anniversary of that, I think, two days ago. A lot of people I know didn't celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gone like that. It's so quick. But... It kind of is something to celebrate because look at where you are. You're here. You're fine. You're walking around. You're happy. Thank you. Yeah. So it to is be uh, serious for me, I don't want to. I don't want to step on Anne Marie's toe. She doesn't want us to start. And I know cameras are rolling and they don't stop. Is she close? Is she close? I love that the talent is here on time, <laughs> but the publicist. That's a very good point. Pardon me. 
Jeez. Yeah. We're never going to use it. <laughs> yeah, we should freak Anne Marie out when we. <laughs> well, well, no, so tell me how this works. So you okay. record this. Yes. And then what happens? And then uh, Jeremy there edits it. Hi, Jeremy. They have they have microphones. So you have a big team here. Yes. Right. And well, that's uh, well, somebody's. We have a director, editor. We have yeah. somebody on sound. We have a producer sitting there. We have somebody on cameras. These cameras are they move. Yeah. And they focus. Yeah. So um, we record it and then they upload it to wherever people get their podcasts. Some people listen to it on Apple. Some yeah. people listen to it on Spotify. Some people listen to it on iHeartRadio. There's all different platforms where you can listen to audio. Most people listen to their podcast while they're driving to work yeah. or they're exercising. They'll listen to it on their uh, Peloton which happens to not be a sponsor of ours, but no, that's but not I'm, true. Most people listen to or watch our podcast on YouTube. On YouTube. I think that's our is biggest that right? audience is YouTube. So what's the biggest one you've ever done? Um, I think on YouTube. Yeah. Ethan Klein. And uh, you're giving the same look. I didn't know Ethan before I'd watched his, he's got probably the number one podcast in the world. And it's called H3, the H3 podcast. And it's kind of, um, it's him and his wife and a bunch of friends, and it's very controversial. His is controversial. And I w that's what I wanted to talk to him about, That because I, like you, do not want to get canceled. Right. And we work for, um, well, we work for ourselves. Well, I work for you. But you work they for- did. Yeah, but you work, you, we work for ourselves, but we are, if, if brands and sponsors got angry at us, then we wouldn't be able to get paid. So I work very uh, diligently at keeping people who want to advertise on places that I work happy. So people advertise on this? They do. Who? Well, I, we have not uh, got a, a sponsor. Why? <laughs> <laughs> nobody, they nobody. can. They can advertise on this. Why well, maybe by the time this episode comes out, well, and maybe if why I say don't we, we call this "Let's Get Howie a Sponsor" podcast, then that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, we hope that this will be the first, the first one, the first sponsored podcast. Yeah. I don't know who it is, but maybe we'll cut to me reading a commercial right now yes. for somebody. Yeah, I'll do one with you. Okay, but I don't have a product. <laughs> event imagine we're like an advertising agency it's a product we like and let's just sell it okay but let me tell you how, why we don't do that now because this started out of the um pandemic i was much more neurotic than most people as you know that about me yeah and my daughter is uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree yeah and she wouldn't let me around her because i'm of a certain age yeah and uh, so the only way i could see her is Anne here? Is she here? It's Anne Marie, darling. Anne Marie. Anne Marie. I, I don't see her. She doesn't, she's not listening? She's just walking in. She's just walking in. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure that she's not mad at me. She's not going to be mad at you. She might be mad at me. No. But I think it's a great idea. Find you a sponsor. This is brilliant. It is a great idea. Yeah. I hope. It, but but the reason this me and and Jackie started phoning each other. Yeah. And we would do prank calls, or I would call friends, and we would talk about subjects and things like that. And my wife, once Terry, walked in one day and said, "What is this for?" We're like you've been on the phone for an hour. And I said, "I'm just talking to my daughter." And she said, "You should record it, and it'll be a podcast." Is that so, right? Yes. So we just started recording it. And we've been putting it up and every week we are getting thousands and thousands and thousands of more subscribers. I haven't gone out 
to advertisers before this because I, Anne-Marie, are you mad at me? You could tell me. I can hear you. I just to go over everything he, he, he said. He wants to know why the talent got here before the publicist. The publicist. <laughs> That's never happened before. Ever. Fire me. No, I can't. Anyway, he, he is just like just to fill you like in on what we talked about. He said behavior. He said he said we popped his cherry because he's never been on a podcast before. This is true. So this is the first. And then he was commenting on our graphics. And I I think we should call this Find Howie and Jackie a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. What? No, yeah. this just came Not out yet. of this just came out I, of because I have no idea how this works. I'm asking lots of questions. So, so people are listening and every week thousands and thousands and thousands of more. You asked about the you know listen or watch on YouTube. <laughs> And then hopefully we'll build up enough of an audience and then maybe one sponsor will come in and say, we'll pay. Boom. We're back in an ad read. <laughs> <laughs> but this ad read I'm really excited about. You know why? Why? Because I have been listening. You know, I love like crime junkie and those kind of podcasts, true crime podcasts. Yeah. But I have kids. Right. And so I can't listen to it all the time with the kids in the car. Otherwise, they'll hear it. And I don't want them to hear all that gruesome stuff. Right. So guess what I ordered? I know what you ordered. What? Because I ordered them too. Yeah. And they're... The uh, Raycon they're, uh, wireless earbuds. You didn't let me say it. Raycon wireless earbuds. I wanted to say it first. But I'm so I, excited to get them. And I can't wait to get mine. And and the truth is that I listen to... You know what uh, podcast I listen to? What? Howie Mandel does stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I listen to that too. <laughs> Why wouldn't you bring that up before another one? Because my kids can sometimes listen to that. Now, why <laughs> tell them, uh, tell them, meaning our listener yeah. and the other person, tell them why you like the Raycon or why we're excited about getting the Raycon more than any other earbud we could possibly use. Well, because they look, they feel, and they sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable. Well, apparently, I've heard they're really, really comfortable and they will not budge. And I hear that everyone loves them. Well, my friends that have them talk about the comfort. And that's mm -hmm. my biggest uh, concern with earbuds. When I'm listening to something, I like to be comfortable. I, right. That's more important. And have great sound. But I like them to be comfortable. So that's why I can't wait. Plus, they give you eight hours of playtime. And there's 32 hours of battery life. So you don't have to keep recharging them like every two seconds. So these are great. I can't mm -hmm. wait for my Raycon earbuds. Me too. Plus, you get quality audio earbuds for only half the price than other brands, so it's way cheaper than most of the other okay. brands. And there are three customizable uh, sound profiles, mm -hmm. earbud tip functions, noise insulation, and uh, awareness mode. So if you want to try them too, all you have to do is go to buyraycon.com today and use code Howie to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code Howie at buyraycon.com to secure 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code Howie. Wow, I can't wait. Now back to the show. <laughs> Are you asking all this stuff because you want to start a podcast? Well, I mean, at some point I might. Depends really? how today goes, I think. America's got podcasts. Well, yes. That could be the next, it'd be a franchise. Yes. Can I, can I ask you some questions? Yep. Because you fascinate me. I love you. I love you too. No, I really no, do. I actually do love you. But it, 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 so this, I'm fascinated by just you. 
Tell me, I don't know a lot except that you like Marmite or whatever that <laughs> shitty, so horrible, horrible snack. He said that was his favorite snack. Like we talk about like a, a, a hostess Twinkie you would grow up with or you'd go, I can't remember. I remember when I ate donuts. He goes, when I was a kid, I wanted Marmite. And he ordered it. He got it on the set. And yep. I tried this Marmite. Is it Marmite? Yeah, it's it's something you put on like toast. It's something we, that you I, accidentally get on your lip and you go, oh my God, somebody get this off of my yeah, lip. Yeah, I don't know what it's made of, I but think we, we just use lost it as everything. an expression because you either love it or hate it. So when we're like well, in auditions, we go, yeah, you're like Marmite. People will love you or hate you. Like, and I, I love Marmite and obviously how he On BGT, it. that works as a comment. Here we have Americans going, what is he the, talking about? Yeah. question marks about that. He said, when I say he that said I'm a Marmite. Anyway, tell me about your upbringing. I did get some though, actually. I know. Yeah. I, everywhere I go, you're a big, like, you're like a kid. To me, you're like this amazing, you're like Willy Wonka. Because I, yes, no, I think you are. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and and your chocolate factory is making people's dreams come true. Eating candy. I walk into a candy store in New York. They go, you know, Simon shops here. Is that right? Yes, this is where Simon I know gets the his little licorice. shop. Yes, this yeah. is where Simon gets his licorice. Yeah. But, and so I know where you shop. I know what you like, but I don't know a lot about you. How many siblings do you have? You mean what's that mean? Your <laughs> brothers and sisters. Uh let me work this out. What do you mean, Nicholas, Tony? John, three, Michael, four, June, five. I left anyone out? I don't know. Okay. Let me start again. Me, Nicholas, oh, you, you didn't Tony, know. John, Michael, June. Yeah, there's six of us. Okay. From the same parents? No. So my mum and dad were married before, and they had two kids each. Then they got married, and then had me and Nicholas. Wow. It's uh, kind of a weird British Brady Bunch. Exactly. But I, they're all like my real brothers and sisters, you know? And are you close to siblings? Yeah. I think I met a brother. Which one? I Michael. Don't know. I think you met Michael. I don't know. It yeah. was at, it was a but but and did anybody else go into show business? No. 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 What did your father do for a living? Well, he was um he worked for EMI. He uh, was in the music business. No, he wasn't. That's that it was interesting. He he ran so when EMI were EMI, they were like a music company, electronics company. Um, they had record shops. So anything to do with retail, if they bought shops or they bought, built buildings, my dad would organize that for them. But he wasn't part of the music part. Is that what inspired you to get into music, though? Uh, no, I've got to be honest with you. All I wanted to do when I was at school was leave. As the first thing I thought, I can remember my first day going to school before I actually started, I remember the car trip back like it was yesterday. And my mum is trying to sell it to me. She's saying, oh, they'll make you really nice vegetable soup, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, wait, wait I don't, that's I, how your mom's selling you <laughs> yeah, school? It's exactly Stay how in school, you get great nice vegetable, vegetable soup. soup. <laughs> and I went on the first day and they gave me beetroot. Do you know what, and you know what no. beetroot is? Yes, they did. Beetroot? Beetroot, you know, that horrible red thing. Like beets. Well, beetroot. It's like a... But the, the actual vegetable or juice? No, a vegetable on a plate. And I hated it. And... What is the first... We call it kindergarten here in America. In kindergarten? Kindergarten, yeah. So they had all these five-year-old yeah. children and they went well, to I sit down I, and eat your beets. I think I was younger than that. Anyway, I used it as an excuse to go, great, I'm not going to school. So my mom had to come back with me the following day and say to the headmaster or mistress... Uh, his name was Mr. Wilson. I can remember that. And Mrs. Wilson. 
um, please don't give Simon beetroot. Otherwise, I wasn't going to go back to school. That is so <laughs> odd. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Marianne, so you're... you're... You're also from the UK. Is this a is this an odd thing, or are you familiar with kids having beetroot at school? Oh, it's odd. Is oh. it? Well, okay. Did you grow up in London? Uh, no, in Hertfordshire. Is that is that where is that from London? Uh, it's about. Is that considered the country? Is that the north? Ish. We call it like the suburbs. It's probably about I don't know fifteen twenty miles. But, you know, all I remember thinking when I was at school was how quickly can I get out of this? I, I love I, it. When, when the best thing your mother can offer you for staying in is, is vegetable soup. soup which yeah. is, how could she offer that if they weren't even providing vegetable soup? She well, just lied to you. She did, actually, yeah. yeah. No, she did lie to me. Yes, she did. <laughs> uh, but she also knew that I wasn't going to be great at school. So I just used every excuse in the world to get out of going. I used to get a pit in my stomach on a Sunday night. But so did I, but not because of beetroot. Well, no, but it was the thought of like there was a certain time at seven o'clock where on a Sunday where this, this television, I think it was a religious program, would come on and that would signal the countdown to it's school tomorrow Monday and morning. I would feel physically sick. So I used to invent, like I'm drinking tea now, one of my things I used to do I would put this on my head oh, and time it. He's a, for those that are just listening, he's got a hot cup of tea. He's pressing to his forehead. Yeah. So his and then I mother would, would think you had a yeah, fever. Yeah, and then I'd get mum in and I'd put on my ill voice. And he's like, Mom, I really, really don't feel very well. I think I've got a temperature. Uh, she knew. But did she let you stay home? Well, my dad was the softy. He was like, he doesn't look very well, Julie. Were you the baby? Uh, I was the older one out of the two, me and Nicholas. And... What How, do, what part of school did you not like? Everything. Was it, beetroot. No, no. no well, besides like the beetroot, I mean, what would make you physically ill to the point where you don't want to go to school? Was it were, you were being were you not tortured by no, other kids? No, or? I I was never bullied. Mm -hmm. I had friends. I was just bored, and I and I wasn't very smart. And so you're not smart. Well, not really. No, no, no. I mean, I'm don't street, say that because I know you. I'm street smart. You but are I'm intelligent not and you are smart. I yeah. don't. I don't think knowing, um, you know, you in in school, whether wherever you are in the world, they give you facts, and these facts, for all intents and purposes, cannot be used in anybody's everyday life. You know, yeah. in any given day in school, as the teacher is teaching you anything, I'm thinking, what, where, when is this going to come well, in handy? Exactly. I mean, did you ever have to do woodwork and metalwork? Well, those are kind of things that might come in handy. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> Like, That's not really what you know, I learned like, in school. <laughs> Today I'm working a lathe or something. Like, I don't want to do You know, this. that was one of the things I enjoyed. What? You like metal work? I liked building. At least building something made sense to me. But when they would give me in, in literature, I would have to read a poem. And then they would ask me to write an essay on what it meant to me and why. And I'd write an essay and then I'd get, I'd get a back mark wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and how does that even was there any subject you liked i liked english you but, did uh, yeah but all i ever used to write for some reason is horror stories so whatever subject they gave me like um write a story about uh, an english country cottage and i would turn it into a horror story three people died <laughs> it's just awful awful do you keep any of your do you have any of your, oh, God, uh, of your i wish i'd kept my reports what i used to write 
because it was the reports were horrendous. But I used to find I we knew are concerned when they were, about Simon. I knew when they were coming, so sometimes I would get them before they got to my mum and dad. And, and were they strict with you as far as were they mad that you well, were not? Well, my dad not so. My mum was yeah she she was definitely the strict one out of the two. Um, but I think my dad realized quite soon I wasn't really academic, and therefore. I just want, I literally wanted to work because when I was growing up from about the age of about seven or eight, I would mow people's lawns. I would wash their cars. Were you looking for money? Did yeah. you like money? I just loved making money. Yeah. At, at seven and eight years I old. I swear to God. Yeah. Do you come from money? Do your parents have money? Well, my dad was, um, he did okay, but he wasn't wealthy. No. Um, so no, we didn't really come from a lot of money. But I at mean, seven and eight, you were already chasing the dollar or yes, the pound. Yes. Or the and I loved it, Howie. I mean, I really, every, every time I had time off, uh, in those days you could just wander around the neighborhood and knock on someone's door and say, can I, you know, mow your lawns? Can I wash your car? So I was all about, and what my mom actually said to me once, and, and I'm glad she said this. Because uh, when we used to go on these annual holidays, she said, look, we're going to pay for the holiday. You've got to earn your spending money. So I'm like, okay, fine. And that was it. And where did you? Where does the uh, Cowell family go on a holiday? We used to go to Spain, Mallorca. Wow. Oh, wow. Nothing fancy. Oh, but, really? Um, nothing fancy. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it, they were all fancy. like all inclusive, you know, like you pay whatever. It's, yeah. You have no idea that I'm telling you, you live a very different life than most people lived. And that's why I find you fascinating. How long did you stay in school? When did you finish your education? I think I left on my 16th birthday. That's like you, Dad. Do, when, how long? No, did you I was stay? told to leave. Did you get thrown out, or did you oh, leave yeah. on your own? Oh no, I was thrown out of a lot of schools. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, there, there was one school I was dropped a year because I was so bad. So I was in the same class as my younger brother, and that was chaos. So they said, <laughs> you got, so they, they held you back <laughs> yeah. to be with your younger brother. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't a God. great idea. So <laughs> it was to, so bad. So at the end, they said, "Look, here's the deal. We'll keep one of them." <laughs> Not both. We can only handle one cowl. Yeah. yeah. So my younger brother was sent to boarding school. Um, and then six months later, I followed him for about... How did they know. decide if they're going to keep one that they were going to send him oh, away and that, keep you? I just said, there's no way I'm going. And did your mother say that there might be good vegetable soup there? <laughs> <laughs> so you leave at 16. I leave at 16, yeah. And then what does a 16-year-old young man do in Hertfordshire? Is that uh, what you're saying? Well, I mean, I was just thinking, literally, I want to either be in the movie business, TV, or music. And nobody in your family is involved in any of these? Nothing. So Are I, they supportive? Well, actually, you know, before that... Um, my, I don't know why this happened. My mum and dad arranged these really crazy job interviews for me. One was <laughs> like to be a management team in a supermarket, and I was Wait, th thrown you were going to be a manager in a supermarket like, at sixteen at management training or something. And he threw me out because I was wearing jeans. So <laughs> that lasted five minutes. Yeah, the, the 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 choice you always always have in pants for where you go is 
always interesting. Thank you. I love. Do you like what new, well for the last two years? You've been wearing those the, the muter shorts, which are great. Yeah. You really, you live. You take. You know how they say you can take the man out of Malibu, but you can't take Malibu out of the man. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That's you know, yeah, wherever he goes, it's like he's on the beach in Malibu. There you go. Anyway, so I had all these bizarre job interviews. Hated them all. And so then I actually, here's a funny story. One of the people I applied um, to work in their mailroom was Fremantle and they didn't give me the job. So for those that don't know, (laughs) that's amazing. But it's only amazing if you know Fremantle is the Production. production company and worldwide distributor of America's Got Talent. And so, Idol and X Factor. So you're right, but I don't think any one person has made more money for Fremantle in the history of Fremantle than Simon Cowell worldwide. And you have to know that this is the biggest, probably one of the biggest. You know, it's Family Feud. It's every other show that you see on TV is a Fremantle show. So to be the guy that has given them more money. <laughs> To think, well, you showed them. <laughs> well, I was thinking, how do you not give someone a job in the mailroom? It's like, all I'm doing is delivering mail. I mean, how can you say no if I want to do it? That's what I was kind of thinking at the time. It's like, well, I'll be quick. What pants were you wearing? Good qu- I can't remember. Uh, it anyway, might have been that. I didn't get the job. Yeah. He didn't get and the job. then I actually got a job as a runner. Um, For what? On a television show. Um and it would was, it be a show we would know? Yeah, it was called. There was a show called The Saint with Roger Moore. I love The Saint. Yeah. Well, you were a runner on that. N- no, oh. I was unfortunately. <laughs> I was unfortunately on Return of the Saint, which wasn't which wasn't as good. <laughs> After they ran away, you were at the Return yeah. of the Saint. I don't. Yeah. I never saw the Return of the Saint. It, it, it wasn't great. How long did that last? Well, not lo- not long because the, I only had a month's contract, and luckily the PAs liked me. So once my contract was up, they paid my salary because they liked me. But every time the executive producer came into the office, I had to hide under the desk. What do you mean? Well, he was just a, a you-know-what. No, but he didn't know that you were employed? Just you did... were just getting a paycheck, but you were hiding <laughs> from the boss? Yeah, the girls paid, paid my salary. That's, That's amazing. Insane. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that lasted the about. The boss is coming, Simon. Get under the desk. Yeah, it literally, it was Howie. It was get under the desk, and you I. You know you're a movie. What? You know you're a movie. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, All right. So how long did that last? Well, until the show finished, and then it was like, well, I don't know what to do next. And anyway, my younger brother now. Is, no, then I got a job at, in EMI Music Publishing. In the mailroom. Through your father. Um, no, actually, no. my mum um, phoned them up. <laughs> Wait, but your dad worked there. Yeah, but she was the one who got me the interview. She's uh, a, she was a powerful... Like, yeah, she was, yeah, my mum was like a hustler. She was brilliant. So she got me the job in the mailroom, um, which I did for a year. And then my younger brother was an estate agent, real estate agent. He was making a load of money. I was making nothing. So then I decided... Or maybe I'll leave and go into real estate. And I had the worst month of my life. These people were so snotty and so <laughs> awful. The customers or the no, people no, you the were people working with? No, the people who worked there, uh, you know, like the people, you know, selling Other houses. agents. Yeah, just dreadful. Um, and I was really miserable. 
And so you wanted a business where people are really friendly. just nice and yes. warm and honest. Well, I wasn't having fun. Real estate is yeah. too, it was, too tough. No, but these it's not people, a people place. were dreadful. So <laughs> I managed to get my job back at EMI Music Publishing. And then after about, I think it took me about 18 months, um, I did get a job in the international department. Now, my dad did get me that job because I, I said to him, basically, look, I'm just stuck in the mailroom. Uh, you know, you must know someone. So he phoned the boss and the guy said, yeah, there's a vacancy. And because I got the job through my dad, no one would talk to me for the first six months. So that was that was tough. Well, and what was your job in an international department? Well, there wasn't really a job other than <laughs> I kind But it of, was international. Yeah, it was international. <laughs> I exactly. did nothing all over the world. Yes. <laughs> well, what I did was I locked myself in a room for about six months and I just listened to all of the songs EMI published from other countries. And I then got artists to record those songs. So I would then sort of turn my job into being like a, a song plugger. But you did that on your own. That yeah. wasn't the description. That wasn't your that. job. You just did that. Yeah, I just decided so to what, do it. So when was the first time that you plugged somebody with a song and it became a hit? Oh, uh, gosh, I can't remember. I got a lot of people to record the songs. Um, and then the A&R guys who I used to have, I'm trying to get in to see an A&R guy. That was tough. And you were it was tough for you to get in oh, to see them no idea a and r is is artists uh artist um uh, relationships yeah they so, were the guys who signed the artists right uh, and work them and, right yeah choose material for them uh and trying to get in to see one of these uh even if you work in the company <laughs> no no this is like if you're working at EMI music publishing you had to go in and see someone at universal or whoever 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 i mean all the there were tons of labels in those days um and the A&R guys would, and girls, I mean, I have to say, but the guys in particular were just horrendous. Uh, they were so rude. And then uh, I left and I start, and I worked for a guy I met. I liked him. We started this company. And then this little company got bought by a big company. And then... Uh, and I signed my first artist. Who was? A girl called Sunita. Oh, I know Sunita. Yeah. Yeah. And that was your first artist? Yeah. She was Sunita also my is girlfriend. A, right. Yeah. Sunita is a beautiful young lady who I met in Hawaii a couple of years ago. Really? And, yeah. And you're still re really good friends with her, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah. She, she is like a pop star, right? Is yeah. she like a, a pop? That was the very first person you you signed. Yeah. We were dating and she said to me, because I thought I'll just start my own record label, right? Um, and um, and then the guy who I was working with said, "I'm shutting down the re record label." I said, "Well, we haven't started it yet," and he went, "I don't care. Um, it's over." So I said, "Well, could you just give me five thousand pounds? I think it was, and I'll make the record, I'll make the video, and somehow I'll make it a hit." And he went, no. And then eventually we agreed on, I think, three and a half thousand pounds, whatever. And I did. I, I, I made this record. I got the video made. What's the video in the record called? Because well, I'm first... going to play it now. <laughs> I will. Okay. We can put it well, up. What this, is it called? This was a time when the music was called High Energy. 
the, the title of the song? No, no, no. This oh. kind of music. Not so disco. All these tracks were really starting from the gay clubs. And, and so like house music. Well, kind of, but even before house music. So if you could get a huge uh, record like that, right. then it could cross over to be a pop record. That was always the so idea. What was the name of the song? But we would break the records in, in the, the gay club. So I used to go to all these clubs with Sunita, get in the clubs to play the record. And oh. it, I mean, and yeah, the record was called So Macho. What? So, so macho. macho. Yeah. So macho. There it is. There she is. There she is. She's beautiful. Yeah. I think I'm in the video, actually. No, you're really? not. I, I am. <laughs> You are? Or, or maybe another one. I can't remember. Can we play I'm in it? one of them for a second. Do we have any audio on this? As you can see, I didn't have a lot of money to spend. Wait. That looked like meatloaf looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just stop it? They're trying to get audio so we could hear it as well. I want to be able to hear it. It's a great record. Doesn't that no. look like meatloaf? It's not. I think the same guy playing both roles. Right, it is. Yeah. <laughs> For three and a half thousand pounds. No, 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 no. The video cost me 1,500 pounds. I had to manufacture the record. And you were dating her at the time? Yeah. Wow. And then, was this a hit? Well, it took me a year and a half to break the record. Um, and... It went to number two in the charts. It sold a million copies. Wow, that's yeah. a hit. Yeah, so that was my first hit. And on your own, you did that aside. You were already yeah. out of the record company. This is your own label. Well, I was still in kind of partnership with the, with this guy. And then uh, everything he was trying to do didn't work so well. This was working well. However, um, so I was like this tiny little division now of a company, which is a huge company. And the big company, which I wasn't a part of, uh, went bust. Uh, and I was encouraged to sell share, to buy shares in this company. So when it went bust, I was broke. completely and utterly broke. I owed the bank, I think, $500,000. Wow. Yeah. And your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it oh, is. There it is. I could hear it now. Same guy. <laughs> Why pay multiple actors? Oh, exactly. Did you meet her as an artist to work with her or did you? Uh, no, I met her and uh, I liked her. We started to date and then she told me she wanted to be a singer. And, and I heard some demos and I went, well, I'll, I'll, make a record. I'll, I'll make the record. What a great line. And then you brought it to fruition. How <laughs> yeah. long did you date her? A uh, long time, actually. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. And she is like still one of my best friends. That's another thing. I don't, I don't want to get personal with anything, but I find that amazing that you are friends with everybody and, and everybody seems to be okay with everybody. You know, well, I mean, to, 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 you uh, can still Terry, like your exes. I, well, here, and maybe it's a UK thing, but here in America, you know, it, it is an oddity to have, um, to be copacetic 
What? This is a you thing. It's not an America versus say, a UK you. thing. This is a you thing because yeah. we've had this conversation multiple times. You don't really believe that you can have a relationship with exes and still have a friendship with them and move on to someone else. But that's just you. That's not everyone here he in America. He, he, invi he invited me to his house one day and I'm sitting there and his wife, his wife, soon to be. <laughs> well, I know you're making all the plans, but Beyonce. Lauren yeah. is sitting at a table with Sunita, Terry from uh, Access. Is it Access or is it Extra? extra. From Extra. Yeah. You know, these are all his. So it's not only he's not friends, but everybody just becomes family. I That's think nice. you are. It's more than like nice. It. It's unbelievable. Of course you like it. You know that every <laughs> other guy in the world looks up to you. So so <laughs> let's get back to your career. Wait, it's also though about finding these women that are nice people that aren't crazy and won't try to ruin your life for other people that are in your life too. Maybe he's just dating really nice women. Good point. I'm learning life lessons from Simon Cowell and my daughter. Jackie, you're right. I have dated nice people. It's a good point. Um yeah um so sunita has this hit yeah and then what is the next step because you've told me stories and they've come in, in drips and drabs from me i don't know but so now you have this this business or this platform or people know that you are the name behind a hit do people start sending you material well i mean i was in a difficult position because i'd had my first hit record i owe the bank five hundred thousand dollars um, and I don't have a job. But you don't make money having the hit record? Well, it wasn't my company, so I didn't have any money. Um, and so I had to repay the bank what they'd loaned me to buy the shares. Uh, I had to sell my house, my car. Oh, my God. So I went to, <laughs> I went to live with my mum and dad again. Uh, I never wanted life. to leave in the first place, by the way. So I was quite happy. I just went, <laughs> like, you know what? Uh, didn't work out. I'm in a bit of a scrape. How so, old are you at this point? I'm probably about 27, 28. Um, and uh, I, I was very lucky. I found uh, a bank manager who believed in me. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Simon. I will give you a loan and you've got to pay it back to me because look, if you've done it you know, once, you'll probably do it again. So I'm going to back you. So, and it took me about, four years to pay everything back um but it was interesting because everything i thought i loved you know like my stupid porsche or my house honestly i couldn't care less i just gave everything back and i thought we're just gonna start again my mum and dad were thrilled because they never wanted me to leave in the first place they didn't no, no no so you what was the next uh milestone as far as a uh, song or music or did you well then i had to find a label who or a major company who would back me and most of the people i initially met went no and then i found one person who said we'll give you a year but within that year you've got to sell x amount of records so i'm like okay and fortunately I did. And that's kind of how I started being an A&R guy. And, you know, I got. And then you, you, because he has, he's historically attached to so many things that we know about. I think we were talking, last time I was talking to you about music, you, you told me about, um, uh, is the Britney Spears hit? Uh, um, hit me baby one more time. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, you were involved in that well, song. I, no, I wish I was. Uh, I'd met, I first of all, I met uh, Max Martin. Um, For those that don't know, Max Martin probably has written some of the biggest pop hits that you know for yeah. Katy Perry, for Britney Spears, for all those young. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to, and seeing Backstreet, um, Backstreet Boys, Britney, um, I mean, the list is endless. He's, right. he's a genius. And these group of producers were working in Sweden and I tracked them down and there was a guy called wasn't his real name, but his name was Dennis Pop with a Z. And he had put all these producers together. Right. I found them a little bit like he's at the background now, like mm -hmm. in in Stockholm, heard all these songs, and I thought, my God, they're gonna change pop music. You you were able to identify that. Yeah. I, it was just unbelievable going into that complex Incredible. It, it was phenomenal and the tragedy was is that dennis who'd put all these guys together he passed away just before you know everything went kind of crazy you know where they just dominated and still to this day and like you said max you know most of the great pop songs written even now they're max and and, and his team it's unbelievable so you, do you heard "Hit Me, Baby" one more time? So, so I so I knew Max. I didn't know him well, um, and I had a boy band at the time called Five, um, who I'd put together, and we were just on the verge of breaking them in America. And someone phones me from America and says, "I've just been played this song," and it was written for TLC, and he played me. TLC was supposed to do. Hit yeah, me, baby. "Hit Me, Baby" one more time was written for TLC. TLC passed. The guy plays it down the phone to me. This song hit me, baby, one more time. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to have this song. So I phoned up Max. I said, Max, please, please give me this song. Uh, and he went, I've promised it to someone else. And I said, well, well <laughs> I'll send you a Mercedes, literally a Mercedes 500 SL, if I can have the song. And he went, no. He said, no. I, yeah, I promised it to somebody else. And I went, who? And he went, Britney Spears. I went, Max, let me give you some advice. No one is going to have a hit with a name called Britney Spears. Well, she wasn't <laughs> even known yet. Wasn't even known. Now, why would he not take the Mercedes over this unknown? Because he's honorable. I mean, he'd promised the song and he wasn't going to break the promise. And look, he he made the right decision. I mean, because when I was talking to you about it, that's her first hit. Yeah. And her first hit was when I first saw it before it was any place. I, you yeah. had gone into a store. Diesel. And diesel. Diesel. Diesel jeans. I was, I bought jeans for my daughter and in the diesel jeans, they gave you a VHS that came, the, the jeans came folded in a VHS tape and you would go home and you'd play the VHS tape. And I didn't know who this girl was, Britney Spears. And that was the song. So it wasn't it was like Britney and Usher. It had those two songs on it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then when that song went gold, I gave her her gold record at uh, on my on my talk show in 1998. I think that's 1998. Yeah. 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 But so you didn't. He didn't take the car, and the no. rest is history. Uh, and look, we're still good friends now. And you know, it's it's because uh, I listen. I would have taken the I would have taken the car. 
Uh, right. But and don't forget, you know, no one had ever heard of this girl before. So, you know, he was not going to break his promise. And um, so I missed out on that. But uh, that's how, you know, we sort of met and became friends. What was the first big music hit you had like that was internationally that you're attached to? I, I, I mean, there's got to be something before uh, One Direction comes to mind. Like that's that's mega, mega, mega and recent. But before that, what is the first big that's a good question. I mean, it was interesting for me because, you know, once I was an, I was really a full-time A&R guy, I always struggled with getting my records on radio. So I would find different ways to try and break my records. Yeah, well, that became that I've seen I've seen a documentary on that, not on you, but I that was the that was like the mafia, right? That was like just getting not you. Oh, I know. But no, record here. companies trying to get airplay. Oh yeah, I mean payola. There was, there was payola. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think we had that in the UK, but yeah, there was a lot of it going on in America. But it was very difficult, you know. If you had a record, you had to, and if radio didn't play your record, you had to find different ways. Different of, ways. Like, so, Sunita gave me three dollars to have her song played on this podcast, <laughs> on this podcast. so we know <laughs> we know the business <laughs> yes. um i was always interested because i always thought it's the music business so for me as an a and r guy i was like i don't care really what it is as long as i can sell records so i started doing crazy things like i signed uh the world wrestling federation <laughs> to sing to sing yeah because <laughs> someone told me they'd sold out wembley stadium in like 20 in 20 seconds so who like, sang on that well i just met the guy who um owns them vince mcmahon vince yeah yeah and i said um well you know you're selling everything so in principle why didn't we make a record with them and he went they can't sing i said well i'll make it work and we did, we did. So Paul Hogan sings lullabies? We sold millions and millions of records. That's fantastic. Yeah. In fact, you've got to watch this if it's What there. is it? What Tell is me it? what it is. I, I think, will watch it. I think the song was called, was it Slam Dunk? D-U-N-K? Slam Dunk. Who is the artist? WWE? Yeah, they were the WWF then, I think. Oh, WWF. Slam Dunk. We'll look for that. Um, Why isn't it there? It will be. They'll find it. Lamb Jam? Slam Jam. Jam. It, it could be, yeah. Jam Summer music. Slam. 93, 1993? Could be, yeah. Maybe this is it. How can we forget this song? This is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Summer Slam Jam. There you go. Get ready, yeah. look it into the video scope, and this is the way it is, this is the way it was, and this is the way it's going to be. When we get the momentum, they can't stop us. Uh-uh. Press play. There's the magic finger. Pressing down. Yeah. <laughs> down. Loving it. Loving it. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> That's the same guy from the other video. Yeah. We still use it. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so And it worked. You said you sold millions, right? We sold we sold millions. However, <laughs> you know, the, the the people I work with at the record label mm -hmm. despised me 
because I was like, you know, the devil. It's like, where's the purity? And I'm like, purity. I just want to sell records. Pure, right? Well, because you cares about business. You said they all cared about. I didn't have any money, so yeah. I'm just thinking if I want to make some money, I've just got to sell some records. Um, so I was signing them. I was signing the Power Rangers. Anything I thought. <laughs> Power Rangers. Yeah, we made a single with the Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, I got to hear that. Oh, this How, what's, what's this called? Um, I think it's called Power Rangers. <laughs> Power Rangers, they're single? This is this is a classic. It because, would be the theme song. Because uh, Haim Saban is a music guy, right? Yeah. I had. It took me six months to get into Haim. Uh, yeah. Not the theme song. No, it wasn't the theme song. No. Um, the official music video, maybe? Is Power it Rangers Evil Rita? No, I didn't no. make that one. Evil Rita is not Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, again, it sold millions and millions and millions. So this probably put the idea in my head, which is, you know, music and television together. When did television come into the play? Well, I signed two actors, actually, from a TV show um, uh, who just sang a tiny bit of a song in, on, a, on a drama. And uh, Who's the, what's they this? were called Robson and Jerome. So Robson and, and Jerome. Jerome. They were two actors. And, Look it up, Robson and Jerome. And they <laughs> sung twenty seconds of Unchained Melody um, in this drama. Unchained Melody, Robson and Jerome. Yeah. here it is. Unchained Melody, Robson and Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> it's already making me laugh. You all right? Yeah. You? So they were like soldiers in this drama. Good. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> There's that guy again. There is. No, this no. was the Righteous yeah. Brothers. The righteous yeah. Brothers. yeah, so no. this is the song they sang in the drama. Okay, you can turn it off. Got it. That was, but that so, was comedic. Uh, well, I mean, they were they were kind of funny. They were funny. They didn't want to. They didn't want to make the record. So basically, what I said to them was, I, 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 it got to the point where one of them, I was driving him so crazy, got his lawyer to say, if you harass my client one more time, <laughs> we're going to put a restraining order on you. It's called, it's called stalking. Called, so. I actually did stalk them for six months. <laughs> Um, but eventually, I got a meeting with one of them. And By I promising them vegetable soup? No. I said, <laughs> I know you don't want to make a record. I'll give you £50,000 each just to go into a recording studio. And if you don't like it, you can keep the money. Really? I swear. You with the offers, the, the Mercedes. Yeah. The 50, did they say okay? Yeah. But I also thought if I get them into a studio, they're going to know that this is they can sing basically so i put the record out and it sold a million copies on day one holy moly yeah they were the, the biggest selling artists in the uk for two years running it was unbelievable did they come back to you and go simon thank you for stocking like did they ever uh, yeah we were friends obviously afterwards but it was at the time it was uh everything was like a hustle you know this is what fascinates me um 
I, I don't, I'm not that familiar with that time of television in the UK. But um, when Idol premiered, you were opposite. We had a hit here called Star Search. Yeah. You, you familiar with yeah. Star Search? Yeah. So we have done talent shows. And I've always been a proponent. I love UK television. I grew up in Canada. I love UK television, UK comedy more than I have ever loved America. Yeah, I know you did. And, and w one of the reasons I liked it because um, I feel that sometimes we incessantly, as in America, want to be nice. You know, I, you're a very nice person. I'm a nice person. But I'm thinking sometimes in the way of comedy or even reality, that's changed since. But you were the first person I ever saw on a national television show. And I'm not saying you weren't nice. I'm just saying that you were honest. Yeah. And we had never seen anything even close to that. You know, you would always, even if you heard, and you use this co comment frequently, you know, like somebody who sounded like a cat that was being tortured, <laughs> you would go, listen, you have a lot of energy. I don't know if you have, you know, and I like the, the sentiment, but I, you know that you are the reason for the success of that show. I don't know about that. But was there any, uh, uh, was there ever a question in your mind, because we all want to be liked, that this was, that you were uh, trotting on dangerous territory in front of a mass audience being no, I never thought of it that way. You'd never? I, no, I tell you why. Because you know, before you know doing this on TV, I would audition people all year long. Right. And I found auditions fascinating. You right. know, just find it because I was always putting groups together. And so we had to audition people. Right. Um uh, I would put together pop groups, I would put I've put together a classical group once, Il Devo, you know, yeah. for for classical singers. Who and end up doing amazing. Amazing, yeah. Um, so I was used to auditioning. I also found them fascinating and really funny. Uh, I just couldn't stop laughing in auditions. I get that. But you're talking about, they came into the auditions that used to come, you're talking about in an office or in a, in in a, a record company. In a kind of like a dance studio or something. Or in a studio. Them. So you can go and tell somebody, you know, listen, you've got the voice of a dead animal. You're, this is not, you're not going to record it. You could say that. Well, when you are it, on. I, it was worse than that. They well, would walk in the door and I would just say, forget it. I right. mean. It was brutal because we used to see hundreds of people every week. And actors and actresses go through that kind of thing all the time. Yeah. People tell me that about modeling and that. But now knowing that you are on national television, international television, uh, the pressure is, you know, it's like you had the comfort of your own office to tell somebody what they want or whatever the venue was. They were coming to see Simon Cowell to try to get signed. Now you're on a television show. Was there any... Did you not feel any of that? I mean, it's great that you didn't, and I think that you paved the way for all of us, but you know that you created something that didn't exist in the ether even before that. Well, I didn't, I wasn't kind of overthinking it. I thought this is going to be really funny um, because I know, like I said, I know what auditions are like. If we're going to film auditions, then, you know, we can't lie to people if they're terrible. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of people in the day and you get frustrated or you get bored. And like I said, I always, I can't stop laughing normally. So what, I get it. But so, you were also being, I, I remember reading, this is before I have ever met you or knew you, you were getting threatened sometimes. Oh, yeah. I think on day two, someone came down to punch me. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is that's a, that was a different atmosphere. Than in just America, being... they were waiting for me outside one of the rooms with baseball bats. 
Um, okay, so, so that didn't change your mind. From what he's saying, no. that doesn't change your mind, and you then decide I need to scale it back a bit for even my own safety. Even. No, I just thought take a different route the next time. Yeah. What was that different route? I didn't know. <laughs> out another the, door. Yeah, out <laughs> another door, basically. Yeah. Because the overall feeling, and I don't know if this is true, but the overall feeling is today you're different than you were then. And I think we all are as we get older and as we mature and as we, right? Well, or I think being you know, when we did this, and when I thought, okay, if I'm going to be on TV, I never got paid, by the way, the first time I did it. I just thought, they, they never paid me. I just said, uh, you know, as long as I can sign the winner, I don't really care. Because I, I was just thinking, I think we're going to sell a ton of records and we're going to find some great artists. Wait, did you get the artists from Idol too? Yeah. Yeah. So you got Kelly? Yeah. And, oh. Yeah. So, so that's all I really cared about, and and I was wow, frustrated. But you made an amazing deal. That's worth more than anything they can ever pay well, you. That's kind of what I was thinking, which was the odds must be stacked in our favor that we're going to find one good person. Um, because don't forget, this is before social media and everything else. Right. So if if you couldn't get a record deal, that was it. So for the for when these shows started, yeah, I mean they would be lining up round the block to come and audition for us. And then I would get frustrated thinking, why are there so many bad people? I thought everybody was going to be great. Um, so, <laughs> so you're more upset because they were wasting your time. I'm yeah. doing this for free but yeah. those, and I'm looking for someone you. that's going to give me the paycheck. Yeah, I oh, need yeah. an artist. <laughs> yeah. And if we don't find a great artist, this is going to be really, really bad for me and embarrassing. But they were casting but, for television. I mean, William Hung, nobody thought... Well, yeah, I realized that afterwards, Howie, which was yeah, when the, you said, the, I'm not, all the joke I want was on me. Yeah, it was. Did it me. also open doors for you to sign other artists that were there that perhaps weren't the winners yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had an option. Um, so that's all I was really thinking about, which was if we're going to do this, we can't take it that seriously because it is fun. Yeah. Um, and I want to show people what auditions really are like, you know, which are uh, just. Funny. Here's what the, the my just is my perception as a as a, a an observer who hadn't met you yet or anything. I was so fascinated, and I watched every episode. I was so fascinated. You were a guy. You kind of reminded me. You know, I was a. I have ADD, and no, uh, actually, can I get some water, please? Yeah. Any can you bring water? in water? She's getting it. Thank you. All right. Um. You know and. I have behavioral uh, issues that didn't uh, help me in, in school. And what used to get me is this guy doesn't seem like he knows he's on TV, which was the most intriguing, wonderful thing I ever saw. I, I said, I feel like I'm watching one of my, like I'd be watching Paula Abdul and then out of the left side of the screen, I'd see a, a pen <laughs> come in and just mark, <laughs> mark the side of her face or her ear. And I'd go, are you kidding me? This is on national TV. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Or, or you know, uh, she goes, the uh, the third song wasn't great. And, and then you go, he didn't sing three songs. And she'd say, you told me he sang three songs. So I'd go, he's, excuse my language, but he's fucking with these people on national live TV. I've never seen anything like that. To that end, and, and in the same respect, you know, Whatever his thought is and however he's responding to whatever he's hearing, he is also saying. 
Whereas we in America are used to seeing um, a lot of phony thought go into what people say. Yeah. Well, you can true. cross now. <laughs> she walked in before. Thank you, Thank yes. you very much. Cheers. Hi. You're on the podcast again. <laughs> Fourth day you've been on the podcast twice. <laughs> we had a great time. And, and the funny thing was we didn't have high expectations, if I'm being honest with you, because I thought, well, let's give it a go. Um, and maybe if we're lucky, we'll find a great artist in the UK. And then when we got a call to make the show in America, I'd already tried to sell the show in America and I was thrown out. I mean, one meeting was so bad. Um, I was winding the guy up because within five seconds he said no. And I was with someone else. So I said, well, that sounds encouraging. And he went, I said, no. So I said, well, can we meet again next week? By this point, he's standing up. And I was kicking the guy. I was laughing so much. And he was getting more and more angry. And then finally, it was, he literally threw me out of his office. And I forgot to order a taxi that day. So, so me and my friend were sitting on the steps of this huge building. And I looked at him and I went, it will never get worse than this. Um, so... You know what? The struggle continues. And you are a great inspiration in watching people who, you know, everybody has an excuse for not being where they say they want to be. Yeah. And you don't take no, even though that's really funny, but it's actually true. Because even AGT, which is, uh, if people don't know America's Got Talent, the Got Talent brand is, do you know that it's the number one syndicated television program in the world and i'm not talking about the ratings we're getting here in america i'm talking about how many different countries it plays in and uh that started from for all intents and purposes a failure right you did that you did it didn't you do it as a pilot in uh, yeah in england it was a disaster it was, it was so <laughs> and bad you had to pay for it yourself right you did it yourself well i mean it was tricky yeah I, we had to pay for it ourselves uh as it was being as we were shooting it i thought this is literally a train wreck. Um, but I said, maybe we can do something in the edit. And it came back and I said, this is unwatchable. So <laughs> we kept cutting about, I had seven minutes, which we could have put out just about. And, and the network said no. And then I get a call out of the blue from NBC saying, you know, what's this new show you're working on? Like I went, incredible I've, I've got a, i've got a highlight reel i can show you <laughs> that's all i had a uh, highlight reel yeah which uh, happened to be the entire pile yeah. <laughs> that was seven minutes show them. yeah i think oh yeah it's really good and i went um yeah it's amazing and they went we'll buy it i went what yeah we'll buy it and i went great so i have an expression in life when someone says yes shut up so i just Thank you very much. The meeting's over. In other words, I'm going to end this meeting in case they change their mind. And I waited for the call. And 24 hours later, we get a, a written offer. And I'm like, thank God for that. Because if we hadn't had that call, and that 17 years later, it is the most watched. It is the most syndicated. It is the, the, the most successful, even digitally, billions and billions and billions of views online in the entire world. Not only that, if you drive down any, well, I can only speak for America, but if you drive down the strip in Las Vegas, 
every name on every billboard, even if they didn't necessarily win yeah. AGT, they got their stop, start on AGT. Whether you're talking about the Jabberwockies, whether you're talking about Shin Lim, Terry yeah. Fader, any name at any show is there because of you. Then you do oh. other, other, uh, no, no, yeah. no, but I'm saying based, I'm going back, it, I'm, it's you, buddy. This is all about you. The, 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 <laughs> you, you, you do the X Factor, you have other shows and you're a, a mogul and you could turn on the radio. At, at one time, I think a couple of years ago, you're, you're veering yourself away from specifically for music, but you could turn on the radio. The top 10 songs or music was, you had four or five of them all at any given time. And whether it was One Direction, One Direction, Leona Lewis, you know, the, the, the girl bands that you had, like everywhere you turn and anything that is going into our eyes and ears, Simon Cowell had his thumb on. Yeah. Do you ever? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so interested in the whole music aspect and talking to people that are in the business and finding out what you think when it comes to the music business, how it was versus how it is now and how there's so many people that just get their start. Like you already have to be huge or get big numbers in order to be signed nowadays. Whereas when you started, you were finding people and building them and building a career for them. Do you see a difference now? Is that why you're veering away from music? I, I, I stopped for a while, Jackie, because yeah. I thought, I don't know where this is heading right now. There's too many people right now trying to get deals. And it's one thing having a hit record is another thing having a career. And obviously the latter is the most important. And I think everyone was struggling a few years ago to work out how do you, you know, basically decide to sign uh, uh, anyone and invest in them because that's what we used to have. But don't to do. you find that today that you don't invest in people because they feel like they can do it themselves? Like even right now on our show on this season, Drake Mulligan, who is an amazing performer and he is a country star, and mm -hmm. he, you kind of shared something with me backstage. He he sang a song. He sang one of his own songs the first time he came on the audition. That song went to number one on the country charts on Apple Music. Yeah, boom. And then he came back and he's in the live shows and he sang another original song. Next day, boom, number one. That's money. People are downloading, they're streaming the song, they're paying the money. And Simon said to me, I'm just so happy he came back. And I said, what does that even mean? Tell her what you told me. People don't, people just take these platforms and take off. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, it's happened. I mean, luckily not so much with us, but on, on other shows, yeah, they'll come on, they'll audition they'll get some traction and they'll go, right, I'm not competing anymore. So I was amazed that he would stay in. And I said to him, you have my absolute respect because you kind of got what you wanted from the audition. The fact that you're still willing to compete says a lot about you. Uh, but what's really interesting is I am getting back into the music business with okay. something I'm going to announce. I wish I could tell you, but I'm about four weeks away from announcing it. And it's taken I'll hold this from four weeks. <laughs> no, no, Marianne. No, I just said no. <laughs> uh, it's it's something I really believe. Is it the wedding date? Can you announce that? <laughs> I'm going to announce that. that. But this is what I believe is part of the missing link for what people need right now to get a record deal. Okay. So I'm doing and this. I think that if you have come up with it, there's a good chance that you will change the way business is done. Because in talking to you, you always went after something, you got in it and then did it or succeeded in it in a way that 
wasn't the way that they were doing it. Well, no, you hear more about people's success than failures. And trust me, along the way. But you don't give up. Yeah, I mean, look, it happens. You know, you have an instinct for something. No one ever walks in your door with a hit. It just doesn't happen. I wish it did. You have to come up with an idea. And sometimes it's like a conversation we're having now. You might say something and something registers in your head. And it's like, you know what? Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. It, that's how things originate. Or someone comes in with half an idea and you go, you know what? I think I can make it into this or whatever. And then you got to decide, I've got to give up a year of my life now to see if I could make it happen. And that's the tough part, but that's the exciting part as well. And, you know, it's funny, you know, when I talk about, you know, trying to sell Idol or, or Got Talent as an example, you know, it's, it's, when it went wrong is almost the best part of it, you know, because. Well, you also kind of revel in, you know, people who don't, who aren't in television or, or show business, you know, you think you're just watching a show and the cameras turn on to whatever's happening, but a lot goes into it. There's three on any one of our uh, productions. There's probably two or three hundred people yeah. putting together, and uh, you know everything from the lighting to the set design to the you know the script of how the, it's going to go, and it has to come in on time. And there's post production and everything, so a lot can go wrong. I've never seen somebody revel more in uh, when things go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That seems to well, be your little playground. No, but that's why we do the shows live. I mean, you could we could you know record everything, and it would be kind of safe and everything else. It's always that feeling. I remember. I don't want to stop it again, but I remember one time uh, I turned up late for uh, for a live for a live shows. The producers were looking at me. I if mean, you I, were late, can you imagine how what time the publicist got there? Uh, she didn't turn up. Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, so that night there was a danger at and somebody got shot and would, it went wrong and so the there. guy has got an arrow, arrow in, in his, his neck right in his throat now harry saw it i saw it the other two girls just carried on as if nothing had happened they were like yeah we didn't really like the music you used and i'd like <laughs> no choking. way yeah. Yes, yeah with an arrow yeah. in his throat and we're like did they not realize that that wasn't part of the act i have no idea but they, it was like they what, were, it's what, what i said people what think other... about what they're saying and they want to be nice they're not acting like with what they <laughs> see <laughs> he finally leans over to her and he goes <clears throat> he's got an arrow in his neck can somebody call 911 yeah. can we, can can we get him to a hospital please <laughs> was that a live show yeah 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 that was a live show why don't i remember yeah that? no i can show you the tape okay there is a tape we do have a tape we could show the tape can we show the tape i think we can show the tape okay there is a tape with the uh, i mean look luckily he was he was fine uh i don't want it to happen again however when you do live tv yeah i mean you don't want that to happen crossbow into the neck crossbow into the <laughs> neck li li live agt crossbow into the neck <laughs> Is that yeah. what you do? What? You just say that. And it just comes up. I, I just that. have, uh, you know, uh, Siri works for me. I love that. I used to work with Alexa, but she got jealous. So now I have Siri. So unlike oh, you, shit. Alexa crossbow won't hang wrong? out anymore. What? Crossbow goes wrong? Yes, that's it. What do I want? Crossbow goes How long goes ago was this? Like three years. Uh, three years ago, yeah. Oh, I was there. Four years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Glad to tell her. Ryan and Amber. Time yeah. Here. Ryan and Amber Lynn are just thrilled. Just so you can fast forward a little bit. I don't even want to watch. 
<laughs> Sunshine and lollipops. <laughs> I don't want to watch. Go fast forward more. Oh, here it's coming. It's I coming. Oh, here we go. As soon as it happens, you stop it. As soon as it happens, stop it. She's at a crossbow. He's putting a funnel in his mouth. He's got a target. Oh, no. Ready? Well, it's on fire, no less. Yeah. One, two, three. Oh, in the throat. Stop it. Just stop it. Anyway, we won't show the rest of this. No. But that one of the girls, at this point, one of the girls goes, I'll tell you something. That music, Sunshine and Lollipop, <laughs> does not go along with what you did. There is no song Flaming Arrow to the Throat. I think it takes me back to being back at school because I was, again, with school, I couldn't stop laughing. That was my other problem. Um, so when we had, like, the big talk, you know, that year, and Eric's just gone through the same thing, and he came home, and he, I said, well, how, what was it like? He said, Daddy, I couldn't stop laughing. I burst out laughing. The I apple said, didn't fall far Yeah, from the I think because the same thing happened to me. The minute the first diagram went on, I literally fell back. I remember <laughs> I was crying, laughing on the floor. Can I tell you something? I laugh a lot. I cry a lot. I enjoy a lot. I'm so glad that you are in my life. I know that you said this is the very first podcast you did. You should do more. You're really interesting. I would imagine people would love to hear you yeah. talk. Uh, do we have a sponsor? Uh, we'll see after this. I hope. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anybody. Apples, I did this out of the goods of my Lollipops. <laughs> I'm thinking now. I don't know. Maybe we can get somebody. But anyway, I love you, buddy. I love you too. I wish you nothing but health. I, I hope you don't something. get on a... A bike but howie <laughs> is one of those people who is the person you see on camera the way he treats everyone around him it's see? true i told you no but he really really is no you know, i I'm agree a, i i mean i agree and now. that's why i, I, I we didn't I, get along i do time. love you <laughs> i do love you too yeah. he does and, love and you. the he world loves you, you all the time and if you look i do talk about you all the time and if you look at the not only the shows and not only the music but the things that happen that you don't talk about you know every year i see a little girl from the uk who is in a wheelchair and her mother show up at the show and i know that you fly them there and i know that you don't you don't speak of these things and maybe your publicist will have me cut this out of the, the but you do so much good work the make a wish foundation is always backstage and i know that's not even an nbc thing you care about children you care about animals you care about humanity because of your ideas and because of people showing up and doing the projects that you're involved with lives have changed forever people have got careers and dreams come true and to have you on my podcast another one of my oh. dreams came true so thank oh. you for coming all the way out to van nuys california <laughs> how do i get back i don't know <laughs> how do i, I go know. from here to malibu i love you buddy i love you too that's the end i love both of you love you too <laughs> that's brilliant thank you um.